Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. A few, a few years ago, I was uh, standing around talking with, the, with some guys, and like, like cowboys tend to do, we, you know, we start talking about cowboy stuff, and, you know, the conversation kind of got around to, to the definition of what a real cowboy is, and, and so, you know, I, I don't really know what that is, so I was kind of pretty quiet while the other guys were talking, but, but one of the fellas spoke up and said, he says, I, I know a surefire way to tell what a real cowboy is. I'm like, wow, good deal. I'm pretty interested in hearing this. He says, I, I know just by looking at someone immediately if they're a real cowboy or not. And he says, you want to know how? And I said, I do, I do. <laughs> he said, if you must. I said, you must, you must. That was for, that was for Caleb, little blazing saddles reference. If you can't get blazing saddles in a sermon, there's something wrong. Okay. <laughs> this is Cowboy Church. Uh, but anyway, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm real interested in knowing what, what, uh, how I can just visually look at someone and tell if they're a real cowboy or not. He said, here's how you do it. He said, if the bottom button on their vest is unbuttoned, they're a real cowboy. Uh-oh. I looked down, and my, my vest was buttoned clear to the bottom. And I'm like, hmm. And he said, uh, I said, well, really? I said, I said how does that make a guy a real cowboy? He said, well, when you're out there and you're riding and if your horse goes to bucking, if your vest is buttoned clear to the bottom, you're going to get that hooked over the saddle horn and then you're going to get beat up and you're going to get hurt real bad. <clears throat> well, I've been, I've had my shaft's belt over the saddle horn before, <laughs> hanging upside down. And, and it does kind of hurt when that happens. But I've never had my vest go over the saddle horn. I don't know if you guys have seen... My saddle horn, it's about this big. So if my vest gets over the top of that, there's, there's a lot more wrong than, than uh, just riding a bronc. So, so <clears throat> he said, yeah, that's, that's how you can tell. And so I said, well, I've, I've spent most of my life, so you know, better than 30 years, um, learning horsemanship, working on my roping, following the south end of a northbound cow for thousands of miles, ridden hundreds of colts, uh, baked in the sun, fixing fence, dug out water holes and springs, um, spent all night, up all night in the wintertime, getting up every two hours calving heifers, uh, learning how to be a veterinarian and doctor cattle and, 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 and take care of them. Basically spent my whole life learning how to take care of cattle, learning range management and all these things. And all I had to, would have had to do is this. And I said, is that what you're telling me? And he said, well, I guess there's a couple other things that you got to know. <clears throat> That's what we tend to do, though, is, is uh, you know, all, all of us that, that cowboy or do things like that, we, we tend to look at our view of things and... and, and uh, and kind of say, okay, this is, this is the right way or this is the real way. And, and, and a lot of times we'll take just one little segment of it and, and make that the whole. And I've found that uh, we do that a, time, a lot of times in, with the Bible too. Um, we, we tend to find things in the Bible that support the way we feel and the way we think. 
And that's not the way the Bible was intended to be used. It's intended to be used as a whole, as a book. <clears throat> and the context of it is to be, to be used in the whole context of the Bible, not just picking out the things that support how we feel. And I, <clears throat> I've visited with people, and I found that they tend to gravitate toward the, toward the parts of the Bible that kind of support their spiritual gifts. So if someone's very compassionate, they'll, they'll gravitate toward reading you know, the, the, the parts of the Bible where Jesus is showing love and compassion and helping and, and doing that. And then, you know, the, the people who have the gift of prophecy, they'll tend toward reading about the prophets and the foretelling and the seers. And, and those that have the, the gift of leadership, they'll, they'll want to read about um, David and Moses and, and the, the judges and the kings and, and more of the leaders in, in the Bible. <clears throat> and when we do that, we tend to support our own thoughts and our own views instead of Jesus' thoughts and God's views. Um, Kathy was t t telling me the other day <coughs> that she, she listens to a lot of, my wife Kathy listens to a lot of um, sermons on the radio. And in the past, if, if a sermon came up that she didn't agree with or didn't like, she'd turn it off because that's not what she wanted to hear. Well, what we want to hear and what we need to hear may be two different things. And so a lot of times when, when we, when we, read a part of the Bible or, or we hear something in a sermon that, that makes us uncomfortable, that's when we should turn the volume up because that is what God wants us to hear that day. Um, if we just sit there and live in our comfort in our own part, you know, well, well I agree with this, I don't agree with this, I'm just going to pick the parts of the Bible that, that fit my lifestyle so I don't have to change, uh, we're, we're in trouble if we do that because then we're, then we're like that guy that says, you know, the bottom button determines a real cowboy because he's only picking out one little aspect of the whole and living their life and centering it around that. <clears throat> and um, we're warned about that in the Bible, about false prophecy. And the false prophets were, were, the, were the guys who knew the Bible really well. They knew every word, could, could recite it, could, could, uh, <coughs> could uh, tell you every, every word in it, but they only used the parts that were, would benefit them. And so when we read in, in Matthew 4, there's an opportunity to, to see how that works. Uh, and it's actually Satan doing the same thing to Jesus. Jesus is out in the wilderness for 40 days. He's really hungry. Okay? He's, he's exhausted. He's tired. He's, he's weak. And here comes Satan quoting scripture. Because Satan, is, he knows the Bible. He, he knows God. Um, and he's going to quote some scripture and... and and tempt Jesus into um, switching sides. And, and so he's using specific scripture to, to pinpoint where Jesus is weak at the moment. And, and, and you can read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But, but uh, Jesus, his responses tell us that, no, you can't, just, you can't just pick out a certain part of scripture. You have to, you have to know it all as a whole. Um, and, of course, Jesus knows scripture better than anyone. So, so he was able to contradict the devil and, and not fall and succumb to that. Um, so how do we know? How do we know if we're a real cowboy? I have no idea. I don't know. But to me, it's more than just one, than little pieces, okay? It's got to be the whole, okay? Uh, how do we know if we're really a Christian? There again, it's the same thing. We, we, can't, we can't just say, well, because I come to church, I'm a Christian. Or, well, because I uh, read my Bible once a week, I'm a Christian. Um, there's a, there's a, in Romans 8, it, it kind of sums it up. This is how you can know if you're really a Christian. 
For you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of God, or Spirit of Christ living in them, do not belong to Him at all. There's your answer. Are you really a Christian? You are if you have the Spirit of Christ living in you. Okay? Living in you. When we, when we take Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior uh, and truly do that, we've opened ourselves up for, for the Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to enter. And <clears throat> unless that Spirit is living in us, we, we can't call ourselves real Christians because, because that is the definition of Christianity. And I'm not talking about the Spirit living idly in us or the Spirit living or not living in us, the dead spirit in us. I'm talking about a spirit living in us. That's how we know, okay? The second half to that is if the spirit is living in, in us, it'll show. In Galatians 6, it says, in verse 20, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against the, these things. <clears throat> If the Spirit is living in us, if God's Spirit is living in us, we will produce fruit. We have no choice but to produce fruit. Um, <clears throat> that's how we know if we're really Christians. If the Spirit's living in us and we're producing fruit. Now, I'm not saying we have to be finished Christians right off the bat. Um, I'm not a finished cowboy. I'm not even close. I've worked my whole life at learning things, but every day I learn more and more and, and uh, take these opportunities to get better. And I'm even further behind in my Christianity as far as being a finished Christian. Um, but at least I know I can, I can be in the, in the race here. I can, I can be living it because of the, of the living spirit and, and the, the opportunity to, to produce fruit in my life. And each one of us has to recognize that. If, if you're unsure, if you're a Christian, then maybe it's an opportunity to examine if if you've fully taken on the, the Holy Spirit into your heart, and it's, if it's living in you, and that'll manifest by producing fruit in your life. So I hope this week we can, we can all uh, dwell on that. And uh, when I look out here, I see the Spirit. I feel it. I know the Spirit is with us today. Um, and I see a lot of fruit in this ministry. So I think we're well on our way. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we do this for your glory. Just ask that you be with us and, and help us to open our hearts to your spirit that it may dwell in us and live in us and be living so that so that we can go forth and do your work produce fruit and spread it thank you so much for the opportunity to, to speak your words today I ask that you look over our leader <coughs> pardon me the leaders uh, of your word all throughout the world especially our local one kevin that, that you would help him guide him protect him thank you so much for all the people here sharing in fellowship today and and all the th good things they're doing in your name, Lord. Just ask that you continue to be with us and, and uh, help us along our, on our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Here at Save the Cowboy, everyone is welcome. Uh, you know, not just the ones that have joined us here in Kiowa, but all across the world. I mean, I after service, I, I get done. And, I mean, we have people from Belgium, from Germany, from Mexico, from uh, Hawaii. And I mean, it, it's crazy how much God's word is going out. And I am proud to be a part of this ministry along with y'all. It's, it's not just about me. It's about all of us taking the outside, uh, especially our Long X Ranch Cowboys. Uh, that is a group of 
people that have uh, decided to ride for God and wanted to take their their, uh, relationship with God to the next level. You can find out more about that at savethecowboy.com if you're interested in it. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I had the opportunity uh, right after I moved up here to go to a branding on the T.O. Ranch down at Raton, New Mexico with some friends of mine from Fort Stockton that had moved, that were working on that ranch and kind of a mutual friends. And, and I didn't know a lot of people up here. So we went down there and I didn't even take a horse. I was riding one of their ranch horses and uh, got down there and I had met my good buddy, Abe Fair. Uh, one other time whenever I was down there, and that's how I got invited back to help at a branding. And it was it was his pasture that we were branding that day. And so we saddled up, and, and, and you know, we were horseback at daylight before you could even see the sun come up, and we gathered this big old pasture, and we got them all to the pens and uh, got all the cows separated off the calves, and, and the branding fires were lit, and it was time to go, and they called on several of those cowboys to to get horseback and be the first ones to rope. And uh, they paired me up with Abe. Now, me and Abe are both, you know, 6'4", 250, so we can handle nearly anything that that comes comes up. But unfortunately, the, if we're 6'4", 250, these calves were, were 6'8", you know, 290. And, uh, man, they were some good hands down there. I mean, those guys would go in there, and I, I don't remember. I know there was, but I don't remember seeing a miss. And, and they had... They had such a great crew. They'd go in there. They'd pick up two. They'd come to the fire. And I mean, this was old timey. This wasn't Nord Forks or anything. This is flipping it out and putting them on their side, stretching the hind end out, just old school. And these were big, big calves. I am not a big, big cowboy. And uh, the first one, I was like, oh, feels good. Get the kinks worked out, right? And the second one, I was like, whoo. And now we're on the second one. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Because, you know, at, at this, not too long before this, you know, when I moved up here, I, I was a full-time pastor and and I worked two other full-time jobs, you know, Monday through Friday. And a lot of times I was gone on the weekends or at least on Saturdays. So I didn't do a lot of day work and everything for a number of years because that was the only day because I preached on Sunday. Saturday was really the only day uh, that I had to spend with my family. So, you know, it had been a long time since I had done, uh, yeah, I'd been to a few Brandons here and there with some little calves, you know, a hundred here, 50 there. Now we're talking about three or 400 in a day and everybody's got a job to do. There's not a bunch of people taking pictures or sitting on fences. I mean, this is heavy, heavy stuff. And I remember I was about the third, third calf and I'm in, I'm breathing hard and I'm trying to be cool, right? There's kind of a theme going on here, isn't it? Every week I talk about how out of shape I am. And uh, anyway, but so about 10 calves into it, man, I'm breathing hard. And I'm looking, we got 390 to go. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to do all this? So finally I told Abe, I was like, hey, hey, hang on just a second. I, I got to go around here and get something. He's like, oh, all right, all right. So I go around the front of the truck And I get, because there was a truck with a propane tank. That's how they were running two sets of irons. And uh, anyway, I got down on one knee and I didn't throw up, but I gagged. I mean, I was that tired. And we're just 10 or 12. It might've been more than that, but it seemed like 10 or 12 calves into it. And I'm dying and we got 300 to go. 
Well, I got back up and I got back out there and Abe's kind of looking a little funny. And I was, so, you know, we flanked another couple. He goes, Hey man, I, I, I hate to ask you this, but can we swap ends? And I don't remember if I was on the head or the, or the tail. I don't remember, but we had stuck with that. And I was like, well, yeah, he's like, man, I, I'm just having such a hard time. And I was like, me too. And Abe drops his britches. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? He had a hole in his leg about the size of the top of a soda can where a bull had got him the week before. And I'm talking about a hole in his leg. Well, I'm over there in front of the truck nearly puking and Abe's over here outworking me with a hole in his leg about this big. But I, unfortunately, all I had sown for years before that was desk jobs and kind of a life of ease. And so I had sown a life of comfort, maybe not on purpose, but it was just life. And then I was reaping the ill benefits of that time. Then about halfway through the cow boss comes up and he says, Hey, would you like to rope? And I mean, I'm still dying, right? It's hard to die for like four and a half hours, but it can be done. And so anyway, I wanted to say, yes, please. And I caught myself, no, sir. I'll just stay here on the ground. And I'm like, what are you, you ever had an argument with yourself? Like, what are you talking about? Well, I had never roped on this ranch horse and I heard that he, you know, he was kind of skittish around ropes and, and quite frankly, there was such good hands there. I didn't want to embarrass myself because at this point in my life, you know, I, I wasn't a good roper. And you know, uh, you, when, when you see just hand after hand, get in there and they pick up two feet and they come to the fire, they flank them, they go back. They're, they're waiting on you about 20 seconds between calves. Boom, they pick up two feet and they go to the fire. Me, you know, I, I go and, and, and miss 20 times and then pick up two feet and go to the fire. And, and I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I hadn't prepared myself for that situation. I was given the opportunity to rope, but I didn't take it. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the apostle Paul says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And I never saw a better illustration of that in my life than that day when I was reaping what I had sown. Man, I, I, I wasn't in shape. I, I hadn't practiced roping. I hadn't put in the work that it takes to be one of those hands that can go in there with very few misses and pick up two feet and go to the fire. But that's who I wanted to be. But if that's who I want to be, then I have to sow the right things in order to be able to keep up with those types of cowboys. In other words, we reap what we sow, but we get out of life what we put into it. You, you can't prepare for the branding pen by sitting in the recliner in front of the TV or else you're going to be in front of the truck. Or maybe you're not a TV watcher, but if you're not active and everything, there's going to come a time in your life that you want to do something. And if you don't prepare for it today, if you don't sow what it takes today, then you're never going to get there whenever the time comes. If you want more out of life, then you've got to give more in life. We're not talking about necessarily cowboying anymore. We're talking about who we are. Because the Bible says explicitly that you reap what you sow, okay? A lot, a lot of uh, preachers, you know, use this as a, as, a, as a giving sermon, okay? 
I'm not talking about giving. I'm not excluding it, you know, but they're, you know, you've seen the televangelists. They're like, if you'll just sow your thousand dollar gift, you know, it'll reap a heart. That's not what we're talking about. But if you do want to sow a thousand dollar gift, I mean, we're not going to turn it. Ty's not going to say anything. We're, you know, I mean, anyway, I got off track there a little bit. But how do we apply that to our lives? Because we're going to reap whatever we sow. Think about this. If you want to look for the good in people, you'll find the best in people. If you want to find the good in people, if you look for the good in everyone, you're going to find not the good. You're going to find the best in them. But if you just go and look at the bad in people, you're going to find the worst in people. You reap what you sow. If you can find the good in a bad situation, you've learned a great lesson. I mean, I, I, I make a living out of, out of telling cowboy stories, and nearly every single one of them is a very, very difficult situation. That instead of just complaining about it and looking at it in a bad way, I try to find the good in hard situations and find a lesson that I can learn from it. And then hopefully I can pass that along to somebody else because learning from your own mistakes is good, but learning from my mistakes is a lot better, okay? You don't want to go through some of the things that I've gone through or some of the things Ty's gone through. Some of the things that Gerald's gone through or Anthony or Jason or Andy. I mean, if we, if we say to do it this way, we're not doing it just to see if you'll do it. Trying to teach you a lesson. We learned it the hard way. It's a lot easier just to take our advice and do it that way. If you look for the good in people, you'll find the great in them. If you look for the bad in people, you'll find the worst in them. And if you look for a good situation, or if you look for the good in a bad situation, you find a great lesson. And finally, man, you know, if you can give someone a break, you might just find a buddy. Think about that. If you can just give somebody a break. And when I say give somebody a break, I'm usually talking about a break that they probably don't deserve. If you can give somebody a break, you might just find a buddy. But if you want to hold somebody to a real strict standard, guess what God's going to do to you? He's going to hold you to just as strict a standard. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to just let people do whatever they want to. And, you know, you're, you're all, most uh, like, like five out of six of your mature adults. Okay. Most of you. I, I didn't say me. I didn't say most of us. I said most of you. You know what I'm saying? You reap what you sow, man. What, what are you sowing in your heart? What, what, what comes out of your mouth? Because you, you can sow the good things, but you can also sow bad things. You know, are you a complainer? Because complaining, you, you sow the seeds of discontentment and depression. And we don't even mean to. It's not like we say, well, let's see just how fast I can get depressed right now. Nobody does that, right? But yet what everybody does is, it's Monday again. We're addicted to it. We're addicted to it. Complaining is a seed. We sow seeds of discontentment and depression by our constant complaining. You know, if you're listening to this, if you drove in a car and you had food to eat this morning, if you're watching on the internet, you know, I mean, you, you are the wealthiest 1% in the entire world, yet we're the most depressed. We've always got... Find something to complain about, man. Let's quit sowing the seeds of discontentment and depression. Let's start sowing some seeds. Let's start breathing life into ourselves and breathing life into others. 
You're going to get out of life what you put into it. You know, we, we worry all the time. Worry is the seed of fear and anxiety. You know, we, we worry all the time about if we're going to have enough. You know, Christmas time's coming up or, or birthdays are coming up or you're worried about your job or you're worried about the economy. Man, you know, Jesus said, why, why do you worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? Doesn't God feed the birds of the air and clothe the flowers in the field? And aren't you worth more than those two things? God said, we don't have to worry, but yet <laughs> we worry a lot more than we have faith. Will you reap what you sow? Maybe you should turn that worry. Every time you find yourself fixing a worry, why don't you put your trust in God? Because worry is easy. Having faith is not. You know, it's not just the stuff that we allow in. But you know, when we talk trash about other people, when we talk trash about others, it says a lot about us. When we talk trash about others, it says a lot about us. And, and, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. We say, well, you know, I don't need to, I, I don't mean to be ugly, but, you know, all of us are ugly butts, aren't we? we, we we've all got that ugly butt, right? Well, I don't mean to be ugly, but, well, I don't mean to be ugly, but. Man, we need, to, we need to stop that. Look for the good in people and you'll find the great. Give somebody a break, Eve, especially when they don't deserve it. Give them a break. You might just find a buddy. You reap what you sow. Do not be deceived, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, uh, before I came up here, when I first started learning to start colts, and I, I'm not a horse trainer, ne never claimed to be a horse trainer. My, the extent of my knowledge is usually starting a horse. You can get on and off of it and saddle it, and it'll stand still most of the time. It'll go forwards and backwards, left and right. Sometimes when you want it to, not really. I, I try to do a good job. But I was out there starting a colt at my, at my good buddy Ralph's house, and Anyway, I was started this cult, and, and I don't remember if it was a, a mare or gelding, but anyway, kind of, kind of a little bit humpy, and uh, kind of prone to when you when you push it real hard, it kind of hump up, try to buck you off every now and then. And anyway, I'm warming him up, and I'd kind of got him over that first little deal, but he was still kind of he just always stayed skittish. So we just tried to keep a wet saddle blanket underneath him. And Ralph told me he said he said, "Hey, I'm just going to warn you that." There's going to be two people that show up that want to see what it's like to, to start a colt. They want to see what a real cowboy is like. I was like, really? You want to see? A, they want to see a real cowboy is like. He's like, yeah. So I unbuttoned my bottom vest button. Did. It's like boom, instant cowboy right there. Right. Pulled out my pocket watch, put it in. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about there. And so anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm loping around there because, you know, real cowboy, right? Real cowboy. And I see this car pull up and, you know, you, you, you try not to look and see who it is, right? But, you know, as soon as that car pulled up, old chest just kind of real cowboy. Loping around in circles. And I come around this way and I kind of steal a little glance over to see who it is. And it's two of the best looking young ladies you've ever seen in your life. And I'm like, woohoo! Yeah, baby. They come to see a real cowboy. I'm going to give him a show. Boy, my old chest was out like this now. Right? Can't even hardly stand in the saddle. My hat's getting too small. So I lope around there. And 
Ralph's kind of telling him, telling them girls what I'm doing. Well, he's doing this right now. So he'll pick up the reins, slide to a stop, which in my horse training means bounce on the front end. That's not the way you do it. He's working on that. Spin it around. Everything's going good. And finally, Ralph's like, Kevin, won't you come over here and meet these young ladies? Thought you'd never ask. So I go over there and I said, how y'all doing? I said, good, ma'am, ma'am. So I go to step off, man, and my chest is so big, I can't hardly swing my leg over. And when I do, I rake that horse's butt with my spur. It hurts to get bucked off a saddle, out of a saddle. It hurts worse when you're right here and you get yard darted and stomped. I'm a cowboy. Vest didn't hang though. Vest didn't hang. But man alive, you want to talk about embarrassed? See, you, you reap what you sow, but you reap what you sow but you also reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. Because just a, I sowed just a little bit of arrogance, and the fruit of that was a lot of pain and a lot of embarrassment. You reap more than you sow. You know, how do I say this? I'm a cowboy, not a farmer, okay? I've tried to farm. I've tried to farm some house plants, and the Weatherby household is a hospice for green things. See, we go to the Walmart and we rescue plants and we take them home so they can die. <laughs> Except for one time I planted a garden. I didn't know nothing about planting a garden. I just know that there was some hills and you stick seeds in the ground, and, and, and I like me some squash, so I planted about nine acres of squash. I didn't realize how much squash squash made. Squash is like the rabbits of the vegetable family. Right? I ended world hunger in four foreign countries with like three bags of squash seed. It's the only time I've ever... And it just amazed me that one little seed could produce so much stuff. But the same thing goes to our spiritual lives. You know, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, I mean, if you need to Google what a mustard tree looks like, it's huge. Of course it is, because that's what Jesus said it was, you know. I mean, the tiniest of seed can produce big stuff. Not only do we reap what we sow, we reap more than what we sow. You know, I, I spent Friday all day making hospital visits. And I don't do good with that. I nearly died in one of them places. It's hard for me. But I did. And it, and, it, and it wasn't no big deal. I mean, it, it didn't, you know, I, you, I don't get a medal for making a hospital visit. Neither do you. But you know who it means the world to? Is the people that are laying there in that hospital bed. Some buddies of mine, some good friends of mine right now. And we're praying for y'all. Some, you know, we got Long Axe Ranch Cowboys who, whose dads are in the hospital. And, and you probably know somebody that's sick right now. You know, all you have to do is pick up the phone or just take a little bit of time out of your day and, and go talk to them. And just a little bit of your time will produce more than you'll ever know in them. They, each one of them were so thankful. And what I wanted to say is for what? I didn't really do that much. 
But it meant a lot to them. Because, see, we reap more than what we sow. You know, I, I was at, at AutoZone not too long ago, and I had to get a battery for the pickup. And uh, so there, were, there was quite a few people in there, so it took a little while. And then uh, I went ahead and changed the battery out there at AutoZone. And the whole time I seen this guy over by the dumpsters, and he had his little old uh, foreign car jacked up on two of those little scissor deals that, you know, I was scared it going to fall on him if the wind blew too hard. And uh, anyway, as I'm doing my, as I'm changing out my battery and, and all of that, uh, I, he goes back in two or three times. I don't know what he's doing over there, but I finished up and I looked over there, man, and it just looked like he was having problems. And then you have that, that voice in your head. Why don't you go see if you can help? Well, I ain't no mechanic, man. <laughs> That's time, man. We, <laughs> we are not mechanically inclined. It took me nine and a half hours to change that battery out. Right? But I thought, uh, I'll go over there and see. Well, I had never seen it before. This little, this little foreign-looking car. You know, most cars have the lug nuts that come, you know, the little studs that come out, and you stick the tire on, and then you put the nut on, and you just tighten it down. Man, these just had holes. You put It bolted the tire to the hub. Well, he was sitting there trying to line it up, and then the hub would turn, and he was trying to get it in there and get cross-threaded. He said he'd been there for two hours trying to get those wheels on. That's all he was doing. I held it. He turned it. We were done in five minutes. Five minutes. And he said, you know, right before you walked over, I said a prayer. And I didn't tell him, I, you know, I don't walk out to people, hey, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I don't do that. Right? You walk up with a rope most of the time, they look at you like, what are you doing? No, not really. I didn't have a rope with me that time. But anyway, you know, he said, I said a prayer right before you walked up. That I didn't know if I was going to be able to get this done. And if I can't get it done, how do I get home? And I don't have the money to call a tow truck or anything like that. Five minutes. He thanked me for 15. I tried to go to my truck. He followed me to my truck. I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but man, he was so thankful and I didn't do anything. But we always reap more than we sow. Five minutes of my time, man. That guy had been working for like two hours or something like that. I don't remember what he said, but it was a long time. I know, I know he's there 45 minutes for sure. That's how long it took me to find the battery in my truck. See, in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and, or chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, And God who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with all the seed you need and make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. Get this. God will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts, which they receive from us. What are you sowing? That says right there, God will give you anything. He's already given you enough to sow a seed. Says it right there in the good book. God will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times. And, and, and that doesn't mean that he's going to give you extra so you can give. He's already made us rich with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. Pick up the phone, call somebody, call an old friend, see somebody that's sick. Help somebody that you know is struggling. Just be an encourager. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts, which they receive from us. And finally, we reap what we sow. We reap more than what we sow. And the third thing is, we reap later than we sow. We reap later than we sow. 
See, that, that same year I went to the TO branding, I, I came back and I, I was branding, I, I got invited to, to the Ochre branding, and um, the little old kids went first, man, and they was all hands. I mean, they was picking up two and coming to the fire and picking up two and coming to the fire, and then some other cowboys roped, and then Dale walks over and goes, hey, uh, why don't you get your rope and go rope? I said, no, I'm all right. I'll just work the ground crew, and Dale said, it wasn't a question. Well, when the boss tells you to rope, you, you go get your horse and you rope. Well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't a roper. I'd never claimed to be a roper. Didn't really do it enough. I mean, I'd done it before, but I wasn't proficient at it at all. And here's all these people that go to my church and, and you know, oh my gosh. So I got my rope down and me and Fiona got in there and we tore it up. I roped one, took one to the fire, one. Now that's not the only ones I catch. I, 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 caught two feet a couple of times and slipped a leg and you know we don't take anything to the fire too without two legs and you know caught one leg and you know it was at the end and always the squirrely ones at the end that's no excuse it's just you know it's an excuse but afterwards Dale you know I, I was trying to hold my head up high you ever tried to hold your head up high and pout at the same time kind of looks like this that's what I look like I'm sure embarrassed Dale walks up to me and he puts his arm around me Dale's big old big old rough tough guy looks like he wants to beat you up all the time typical cowboy but he put his arm around me and he whispers in my ear he goes you want to know how them why them kids are better ropers than you (laughs) not really I said why he said because from the time they were old enough they carried a rope in their hand they roped everything they never went anywhere without their rope. They roped the dogs. They roped the chickens. They roped the cats. They, you know, they roped the goats. They roped the moms once. <laughs> they roped tree limbs. They roped buckets. You know, they, they roped calves. They just roped. And he said, and if you want to rope, you've got to do the same thing. So I did. For nearly a year, when I was at the house, I had a rope hanging by my back door and by the front door. And when I went outside, I grabbed that rope. When I went to feed, I roped stuff. I'd rope a weed. I would rope the mirror on the car. I'd swing it at my wife. I talk a lot of trash, but I ain't no fool. And now I ain't bad. I ain't bad at all. But you know how long it took? It took about a year just to where I could catch consistently. And it's taken about five more to get to where I can probably consider myself fair. See, we reap what we sow, and we reap more than we sow, but we also reap later than we sow. See, we live in an instant gratification world. You know, we, we want to go buy the rope at, 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 at the tractor supply company and the next day go to a branding and expect to get things done because we're cowboy. I mean, we got, the, we got the horn knot and we got our pocket watch in the... Bottom button undone, man. Surely, I mean, that's all it takes to be a cowboy. No, it's not. And it's not all it takes to be a Christian because who you want to be later depends on what you sow today. It's not going to be easy. I, you know, I, I know people that come to me and they're like, well, I've been praying about this problem. And God just won't answer my, just won't answer my prayer. I say, well, what is it? And they tell me, like, well, how long you been praying? I've been praying for like three days. Come on, come on, man. It don't work like that. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does, but a lot of times it doesn't, okay? 
I, I, know, I know women that have, have, have prayed for their husbands to be saved for 40 or 50 years before it happens. I know parents that have prayed for their children to be relieved from addictions and other things for 25 years before it happens. I know some of them that are still praying that prayer, knowing that it can happen. See, we, we reap what we sow and we reap more than we sow, but we also reap later than we sow. And, I, and I'm here to tell you that some of our reaping what we sow won't happen in this lifetime, but just we will reap what we sow in this life or the next for good or ill. And the choice is yours. My prayer today is that you will figure out who you want to be, that you won't just rest on your laurels behind a computer screen so that when the day of opportunity comes that you won't be able to do it. I pray that you'll pick up your rope and learn how to ride for God and reap what you sow and what I pray that you sow is good, is righteous, is truth. And I want you to become who God has called you to be. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we planted a seed of faith and good works in everyone listening. God, we've sown it. And I pray for the, for the harvest that will come. Help us to feed and water each of these so that it will produce a harvest of right living so that all of us can go out and shine a light in the dark world. Eternity starts here, right now, with the choices we make and the faith we have. Thanks for sending your son to die for our sins so that we can ride with our heads held high for you and your cause. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.